Pastor Xavier Reese reminds believers of the hope of eternal life that is still to come. Jesus being the first from those who died and were raised from the dead is identical to how you and I will be raised to an ongoing resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says that the minute you die, you are instantly present before the Lord. And so the resurrection is not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing event that takes place when the person dies, he's instantly present before the Lord. It's an ongoing resurrection. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When God authored the Scriptures, He didn't sanction the Old Testament for the Jews and the New Testament for the Christian. No, He expects His church to live by the whole counsel of what's recorded for us in the Bible. So today, as Pastor Xavier continues his exposition of the book of Leviticus, he brings to light the importance of the Jewish feast. Leviticus chapter 23 is not the most exciting. It's um, a list of the Jewish feasts. And yet through these feasts we can learn much. Though we are not under the law, though we are not Jews, we can see the hand of God in such a tremendous way. Many accuse God of being judgmental and keeping men in the darkness about His plans. And yet... He is one who is always revealing. He is also accused of being one who delights in judgment and the consequences of that judgment. And yet Scripture gives evidence to just the contrary. As you search the Scriptures, you will find out that God does not delight in, in sin or nor does He delight in the judgment over the person as a consequence of that sin, but His delight is that that man might turn Ezekiel the prophet says, For I take no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says the Lord of God. He says, Therefore, turn and live. Ezekiel 18.32 Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. Amos 3.7 says. In other words, God has revealed clearly in His Word what He is doing what he's going to do. Not always in all detail or in dates, but it's prophetically, it's there in the scriptures. He has not left man in the dark. God revealed the coming judgment in the days of Noah. None believe but eight. God revealed the judgment to come to Sodom and Gomorrah, and only three escaped, and they had to be thrust out of the city. God told Israel they would go into captivity, they would not repent and continue in their sin. The northern kingdom went into captivity to Assyria in 722. And then between 606 to 586, you had Israel, the southern kingdom, Judah, go into captivity into Babylon, three sieges. God means what he says, and he says what he means. But what's interesting is that God also has laid out in the scriptures his prophetic system and calendar through the proclamation of these seven feasts here in Leviticus. Now, we're not going to go verse by verse because we don't have the time this morning. But we do want to look to every one of these feasts. But let me give you seven things that are important before we look at these feasts. First, they commemorate actual events. Secondly, they point to a future fulfillment. Thirdly, they outline God's prophetic calendar. Fourth, they are called the appointed feast or seasons. You find that in verse 2 of chapter 23, two times. 
chapter uh, verse 4 two times and then verse 37 another time. They are said to be sacred assemblies as you read this chapter over and over again. Or sometimes the word maybe is found in your New King James, holy convocations. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, 7, 8, 21, 24, 27, 35, 36, 37. Holy convocations, holy assemblies. Sixth, they are accompanied by Sabbath days of rest. You find it in verse 3, verse 11, verse 15 twice, verse 16, verse 32 twice. Notice it begins with the Sabbath of days of the week in verse 3. The Sabbath of week is not a feast that is included in the seven, but it begins with the rest of God from creation. And so those are important things to keep in mind regarding the feast that we're going to look at here. The feast begins with the feast of Passover, verses 4 down to 5. We only get two verses here. There is Numbers 28, 29 that also speaks of these uh, uh, feasts. Deuteronomy 16 also speaks more in detail. You'll get also Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 13. So here he only gives us two verses. But here the Feast of Passover was to commemorate the Exodus of Egypt, reminding them of their redemption from bondage. And that's recorded in Exodus chapter 12. He says here, These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocation, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Remember the firstborn were slain by the angel of death, the angel of the Lord. God had proclaimed judgment over Egypt and the gods of Egypt, and Pharaoh kept hardening their heart, and God came down to deliver his people. The final judgment was the wiping out of the firstborn from everyone from Pharaoh's house down to the least. They did not believe God's word. The blood on the doorpost and the lentil was a sign of faith and trust in God's word. And those who were under the blood did not die, though they were firstborn because they acted in faith. The date is given to us there, the 14th of April. The first month of the year, that's said to us in Exodus 12, 2. It is the religious calendar. The new year of the Jews begins in April, according to God. As we will see towards the end of the study, there is a civil calendar which begins in October. And you have to remember that everything that is indicated in Scripture is according to the lunar calendar, not the solar calendar which we mark our days by. The lunar calendar is more accurate. You can't make a mistake. You don't have to make adjustments. It's there. And so it's two different calendars. Joshua 5.10, they celebrated the Passover when they came into the promised land. Joshua records it for us. And so it commemorated the exodus of Egypt, reminding them of the redemption from bondage, an actual event. But the consummation of this feast was at the crucifixion of Christ. The scriptures tell us that he was the Lamb of God, John 1.29. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. In every Jewish mind, they understood exactly what he was talking about because God has schooled the Jewish nation for 2,000 years in Levitical law, in sacrifice. And they knew exactly what he was talking about. Sin, forgiveness, blood, reconciliation, one with God. 
When they looked around, rather than the Lamb, they saw the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He was the one to redeem men from sin. Ephesians 1, 7 tells us that we were redeemed by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, 19, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The power is in His blood, not in works. The power is in His word, not the church you attend. The power is in who He is, not the pastor you sit under. It is He who consummated this feast. He proclaimed the new covenant to His disciples in Matthew 26, verse 27 through 29, when He said, This is My body broken for you. Take eat. This is the cup of the New Testament shed for the remission of sins. My blood. And He gave a much better covenant. The book of Hebrews, one word that describes the book of Hebrews, better, better. Because He's better than Joshua, better than Moses, better than the angels, better than sacrifice, better than Aaron. He's just plain better. Why? Because He's the Son of God. Now the feast is celebrated or did celebrate the beginning of God's deliverance in the age of grace in the prophetic calendar. At Passover, when Jesus Christ was crucified, he says it is finished. It celebrates the beginning of the harvest in the age of grace. Whosoever will, he looked at the man over that was crucified next to him, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. The other man cursed him. That day that man was in damnation for all eternity. Both equally distant, both having the same gospel, both having the same opportunity, one accepted, the other rejected. That man on the cross will never be able to say before God, I came from a dysfunctional family. My mother was an enabler. And my father codependent. No. He rejected the gospel of his own free will. He was a sinner. But he didn't believe he was. He needed a savior. He denied that he did. And therefore he perished. The second feast is in verses 6 through 8. The Feast of Unleavened. It commemorated Israel's deliverance from sin, having to leave Egypt in haste that night, and they didn't have time to let the bread rise with leaven. And therefore, they ate that meal with unleavened bread. You've seen unleavened bread? It's about that thin. It's striped. It has holes in it. It's very plain tasting. They left in haste, speaking of the deliverance from sin. That's the way we should respond to sin as God calls out to us to be saved, to turn from our sin. That we run to Him. We don't say, oh yeah, I'm coming, you know. No, because for the first time we see sin for what it really is and we see that it brings death into my life and anybody else around me and I want to run to God and get rid of my sin and not live in sin any longer. Leaven is always symbolic of sin throughout the Scriptures. Unless the context dictates it otherwise, it's always to be interpreted as sin. Now the Jews go through a ceremony. They clean their houses completely of all leaven, like an Easter egg hunt from the pagans. You want to make a parallel. And then they'll tell their children, 
search out and they'll leave a little bit of leaven. So they find it. And they say, what is this, Father? And say, this is the, what happened. And he speaks about Exodus and how God delivered him. And they partook in haste that night without leaven. No sin is to remain in the house. Exodus 13 gives you that background. The date was from the 15th to the 21st of April at twilight with two Sabbaths. Verses 5 and 8 tell you that. And so it is possible in one Jewish week to have three Sabbaths. The regular Sabbath, Saturday, the first day, and the last day. Three Sabbaths. That'd be kind of nice, huh? We'd go for that. Days of rest. The feast is consummated and was consummated at Christ's burial as he was placed in the tomb at sundown. You ever think about it? He died in six hours. Crucifixion usually took two to three days. It was the most torturous way to put a man to death. A Roman citizen would never be put to death on the cross. We have taken away the ugliness of the cross and the agony of the cross, and we've made it so beautiful because we decorate it with gold, silver, and jewels. But the cross was to give a very strong impression in the mind and the heart of people of the agony, of the pain, the humility, and the ugliness of it. Why did he die in six hours? Very simple. He had a feast to keep, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they put him in the ground, in the sepulcher. Not like us, Jews put him in sepulchers. Before sundown. It's interesting in this Jewish celebration, the unleavened Feasts, they take bread, three breads, they, 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 they break it, breaking the body of Christ. They hide one and then they bring it out. Interesting, all symbolic there of Jesus Christ. He was put in the grave, only to be revealed later on. But see, why did Jesus die? Because he says, I lay down my life. Why? Because he had to keep the law. Even in his death, he fulfilled the law, he had a date. The unleavened feast. And he was put there right on time. The bread is striped, as if you will remember if you've ever seen it. It has holes perforated through it. A beautiful picture of Christ. By his stripes we are healed. His body was broken, afflicted for us. And he was put in the tomb. And remember, it's unleavened bread. Jesus had no sin. He who knew no sin was made sin for you that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Amazing in these feasts. It's all there. The feast is celebrated in our own Passover. What do you mean, Xavier? We're not Jews. Our Passover is Christ. How do we keep it? with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, Paul says in Corinthians 5, 7 and 8. 1 Corinthians. He says, let us not keep the Passover with leaven, but with unleavened. 
Christ, who is our Passover. And he's speaking about that young man who's living in sin. He says, purge out that old leaven. Lest a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And so, this Passover celebrated through Christ. How? In sincerity. Turning from sin. Not living as we used to live. Because we have had a life-transforming change through the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ. If you feel you've been born again and you're still living as the old man, then you're not born again or you're just being rebellious, one of the two. But if you're a new creature, all things pass away, everything becomes new. And going to church does not make you a Christian. And going to church does not guarantee you're going to be in heaven. Only a new creation, a changed, transformed life, guarantees that you are saved. And if there is no transformation, end of predestination. We are to be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear about that. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And Peter says, you know, if, if you're going to be accused of something, make sure you're being accused falsely. Make sure you're living up to the light that you possess. That pleases God. That we suffer? No, that we're living to the light. And if we suffer, we commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator, Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 19. He's faithful. When do we commit ourselves like that in our sufferings? And so, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Incredible. There's the third one, the Feast of First Fruits, Verses 9 through 14. He speaks there about reaping the harvest in verse 10, bringing sheaves, the first fruit of the harvest of the priest. This feast was consummated and consummated the spring harvest. The barley reaped in April through May. So it was a beginning. The wheat was reaped two to three weeks after that. Notice that the day after the Sabbath was when it was to be presented, verse 11 says. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. What's the day after the Sabbath? Sunday. Interesting. Sunday? Why then? Well, God had to pick a day. He picked that one. Notice also the offering was to be with oil and is to be a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 13. Oil symbolic of the Holy Spirit. A sweet aroma means that it pleased God and He accepted it. Remember, as we studied the law, only those that were voluntary sacrifices were called sweet aroma to the Lord. It was the Lord who laid down His life willingly. And God accepted it. Jesus said in John 12, 24, that unless a corn of wheat falls to the ground, it abides alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will bring forth much fruit. Now this feat is consummated at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The scriptures are very clear that he is the first fruit of them that sleep or them from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. And so here you have first fruit the day after the Sabbath, which is Sunday, when did Jesus rise from the dead? On Sunday. Here it is in the feast. First fruit means that men would give to God the best of their crop. 
And God would accept that sacrifice, which was an act of faith, guaranteeing that what they were offering was only a pledge of what would follow after that. We give you our best, God. He says, good, the rest will follow in the same quality. Jesus being the first from those who died and were raised from the dead, he is identical to how you and I will be raised. He is the pledge and the guarantee of what will follow after his kind. Paul is very clear about that in 1 Corinthians 15, 23. And to make sure that men would not call him a liar and that he would show his faith, he gave evidence in that very day, even as we read in Matthew 27, verse 52 to 53, that there were many others who were raised from their graves. Their graves were open. They walked around Jerusalem. You ever read that scripture? <laughs> the graves were open. Some people saw their Uncle Jethro walking around. So I thought he died 10 years ago. He did. People say, what happened to them? Well, God took them to heaven. How long did they walk around? I don't know. It doesn't tell us, but they walked, and they were seen. Why did God do that? Because he was given an evidence of what was to follow and the guarantee, though he is the primary evidence of the first fruit. And so the resurrection is not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing event that takes place when the person dies. He's instantly present before the Lord. He's raised. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 on down to 18 is very clear about that. It's an ongoing resurrection. Blessed is he who partakes of the first resurrection, for on him the second resurrection has no power over him. What's the second resurrection? That's those before the white throne judgment who are brought before God's judgment only to be cast into the lake of fire. You don't want to be there. The first resurrection has been, has been ongoing since the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's an ongoing resurrection. For 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8 says that the minute you die, you are instantly present before the Lord. You are given two tabernacles. One here, which is temporal. The other one is eternal in heaven. You're never found naked. You're in one or the other. And so if you're here, you're not there. And if you're not here, you're there. What are you in? Your eternal body. Where? In the presence of God. That's what you groan for. That's what God has promised. And what relationship does this physical body have to the second coming of Christ? I have no idea, but there is some relationship to it. But whatever he wants to do with it, that's fine with me. I don't understand it. And I don't think Christians do, though we profess we do. It's a mystery. How do you even understand things like that? <laughs> and therefore, this feast of first fruits is celebrated in our own resurrection. The minute you die, you are instantly present before the Lord. Remember when Jesus came back after the news of Lazarus being sick unto death and he tarried some days. He came back and his sister says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He says, oh, Mary, your brother will live again. Oh, I know, Lord, in the day of resurrection. No, 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 I am the resurrection of life. Do you believe this? See, God asks you straight out, do you believe me? We talk with each other and we say, well, yeah, and we start getting but, but, but. No, no, no. God asks you point blank, do you believe my word? I didn't ask you if you understand it. I asked you if you believe my word. <laughs> I thank God I can understand many things. But you know what? There's a lot of things I don't understand in the Bible. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. 
pastor tells you understands all things, get up and walk out. He knows nothing. So he's called us to faith. So here we have the Feast of First Fruits. Beautiful picture. Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouraging reminder of the hope set before us. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study from the book of Leviticus called The Jewish Feast. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass it along to your friends when you're through listening. The title to ask for once again is The Jewish Feast, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, if you're tired of trying to live the Christian life, then perhaps it's time to go in for a tune-up. Next time we're together, Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the hope we need to press on. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 